Well, good morning, Northridge. How are we doing? You guys feeling good? Okay, okay, awesome. Hey, it's good to be in the room with you. And also, I want to give a shout out to Brighton and Grozeal and those of you watching online in your PJs. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. You know what? I don't know if you guys remember, but it's, uh, it's going to be back. I've been here before. I've been here before, and last time I was here, uh, I shared with you that I'm actually Pakistani. You know, I'm a pastor at Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Shared uh, my story of how I came to faith uh, because I grew up Muslim and, uh, and how God has changed my life. And so I'm here, and I'm glad to be back with you. Now, um, I, what I want to mention, though, really quick, is that um, for those of you who are wondering, okay, so what's your ethnicity, bro? Because what, what do you, what do you okay, so let me, let me clear it up, okay, really quick. Okay, so I'm actually Pakistani. Pakistani. I'm, my native language is Urdu. That's where we speak in Urdu. But, but I grew up, I was born and raised in Kuwait, in the Middle East. So I speak Arabic as well. So, by the way, uh, any, uh, any Pakistanis in the house? There's never any Pakistanis in the house. I don't know why I keep doing that. How about Kuwaitis? Any Kuwaitis in the house? Okay, 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 okay. No, but here's what's funny, though, is that my parents, while we were in Kuwait and uh, we were born and raised there, uh, they had a brilliant idea to put me in an, in, an Indian school where they, where they speak Hindi. Any, any Indians in the house? No Indians in the house either. That's awesome. That's great. I feel safe here. I do. I do. I feel good. I feel good. But, but the curriculum was in English, and so I don't know what it is. The culture, the language, I'm not quite sure, but people always go, you know who you, who you remind me of? Did you, did you get that? Like, people look at you, and they, invite, they, they haven't really know you. They just go, you know, you remind me of so-and-so. Now, back in the day, back in the day, I used to be always compared to this one guy, okay? And frankly, I was, like, low-key upset about this whole thing. I was like, what's going on? Back in the day, there was a show called Lost. Anybody remember Lost? Okay, whatever. And if you thought that, shame on you. I'm not the guy from Lost. Okay, anyways. So when the show was going on, uh, let me just show you. He, this, is what, this is what this guy looks like. I got a picture. Okay, this is what the guy looks like. He looks like this. Yeah, what do you mean, yes? She's like, yes. He's fine. Whatever. Stop it. That's his wife. Okay, so here's, I mean, this, uh, let me show you a picture of me and my wife. And I look nothing like him. I look nothing. Nothing like him. Right? You know what's really tough, though? Because he is Indian. Indian. Not Pakistani. He's Indian, okay? And his name is Naveen. My name is Naeem, which was awful. It was just, it was just awful. Actually, I'm always showing pictures. I got a picture of my family, too. This is, this is an Instagram picture. Uh, it's the only time to get all my kids together. I mean, it's not like a lot of them, but, you know, it was like, okay, this is us right here. But uh, uh, it's funny, though, because as, as I've noticed, I've, I feel like it happens to so many of us, right? There are people who look at you and go, I think you, you look like so-and-so. And, and what's funny is, is that, that when they show you who you look like, you're like, I hate you. You know, like, like we're not going to be ever, ever best friends. We're like, this is not who I look like. And but what happens, though, is sometimes people even tell you, like, hey, this is how you act or this is how you should act. I think all of us have grown up with maybe someone in our life that says, hey, this is the kind of life you need to live. This is the kind of person you need to be. This is the kind of person you, sh you are. And so some of us have lived out that word. We've lived out that prophecy in a sense. And we're living a life maybe, just maybe, that we were never supposed to live. 
So I wonder if, if today God wants to speak to all of us, not just in this room, not just in this space, but you listening and watching. Maybe God is saying, hey, the life you're living right now, you were never meant to live. The part that you are playing right now in life, you were never meant to, to, to play. There's actually something different out there. And it's the reason why you're frustrated. It's the reason why you have a low-key um, uh, anxiety going on. There is a, there's a deep disappointment that you always have to fight against. It's because you're living this life and you're like, there's, there's, I, I ha, I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. And you are. You're missing a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a sense of, of belonging. And it's because you're just misaligned. You're playing a certain part in this world, in this life, um, that you're never meant to play. And so what I want to do is I want to just ask you to lean in maybe this morning where maybe God's Spirit could speak to you and go, hey, maybe this is, this is why there's so much dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction in your life. Maybe this is the reason why you, you feel what you feel. So I want to go through some passages of Scripture, and I believe that God wants to speak to us. So, so let me just jump in, and I'm going to be in the New Testament, and I'm going to be in Luke chapter 8. Can you say Luke chapter 8? Luke chapter 8. Okay, so this is the story of Jesus. And if, as I read it, some of you, you're like, I know the story. And I'm, I'm glad you do. So let's just jump into it. It says here, it says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds, the crowds almost, help me out, crowds almost what? Crushed him. Okay, obviously this is before COVID. Before social distancing. This is, this is before all of that, okay? Okay, so then it goes on and says, and a woman who been there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Now, what just happened here? Okay, what just happened here? Well, she's here. She's in this crowd, which, by the way, if you understand the context of this, of the culture there, she was not supposed to be there. She had a bleeding issue. You're not supposed to be in crowds. You're supposed to be seriously quarantined. But she's not. She is there. Now, also what I want you to do is I want us to like just get into the story. Like imagine you are in that scene. Imagine you're in the crowd. What is going on right now? Jesus is on his way. Uh, to where? To where? He's on his way actually to heal a little girl. Like dad like talked to Jesus. And he was like, would you come? And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, let's go. Let's go. But then he's on his way and then something happens. Right? This woman comes in and she sneaks, she sneaks a healing. She doesn't, she doesn't go like, excuse me, sir, do you have a moment? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. No, she goes. And she, she touches the edge of his cloak. What's up with that? Is it, is it because there were so many people? No, 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 no. No, no, It's because she was a Jewish woman. And this Jewish woman was a Jewish girl one time. And this Jewish girl probably sang songs about a Messiah. They would sing songs about the, the, the rescuer, the deliverer of Israel. And one of the songs, especially in Malachi, it says that there was, there's a song that says that, there, they, that the Messiah who would come and save them uh, would have healing in his wings. That was the lyric of the song. Now, what's so special about the, about the healing, uh, healing on, on the wings? What does that mean? Well, back in the day, rabbis used to wear the shawl. And when they wear the shawl, which Jesus did as well, they would, they would walk around with the shawl because it would signify that you are a particular kind of rabbi. And as you were walking along, the, it would catch some air and your, it, would look like, it would look like that the rabbi had what? Wings. So she was like, if, if, 
if this is their Messiah, though, he should have healing on his wings. So she goes in, goes in, and she touches the wings, and boom, it happens. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Now, have you ever been in a moment where you're like, you know something, you found out something, you got some news, and you're like, i got to tell the world. i got to tell the world. i got to put it on Instagram. i got to tweet about this. And you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Right? Or are you that person that says, oh, I'll keep a secret, and you don't? Are you one of those? Right? But we know, right? We're so excited, but, he, but she, can't, she can't do it. She can't do it. She doesn't do anything. And she thinks it's going to be over. It's all good. No one knows. She was not supposed to be there. It's all good. But something happens. Her bleeding stopped, and then someone else stopped. Jesus. He's on his way. He stops. And this is awesome. He says this. Who touched me? Okay, let's just start, let's just start back again. The story starts with Jesus was on his way, and the crowd's almost what? There's a lot of people. And he goes, uh, who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, which is, which is great. But if you don't know Peter, uh, as one of the disciples, he's the guy who just says what it is. Like, he's like, okay. And so this is kind of, kind of, I don't know if it's condescending. I'm not quite sure. But he goes, master, master, people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, he's like, bro, really? Really? Who touched me? You know everybody's touching everybody right now, right? Like, what's happening? Son of God, right? Wow. Not bright. Whoa. What? What's going on? And all these other guys are like, okay, dude, are you, are you, why are we stopping? Is this going to be one of those parable story things that if we don't know anything about? Like, what's happening here? Are we feeding people all of a sudden? We just fed them. Like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? we got to go. There's a little girl waiting on us. Jesus is like, who touched me? Who touched me? And then he doesn't stop there. What does he say? What does he say? This is, let's just find ourselves in the story. He says, so Jesus said, someone touched me. And then he says this, which is more confusing. He says, I know that, help me out, that what? Power has gone out from me. He's like, oh yeah. Could you imagine living life like that? Power just went out from me. <laughs> like, what? Right? I'm sure the disciples are like, What's going on? The dad of the little girl who's waiting, she's like, what? what? What's happening? And, she, and he just stops. And when he stops, he does something which is, which, is, which is not written down in the story, but would definitely happen. Let me tell you what happened. Okay? So he stops. He asks the question. And then we quickly go to verse 47. It says, then, 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 say then with me. Amen. Then. That, that means there was a time. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling at her, his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Wow, beautiful story. But let's go back to the then. Let's go back to when Jesus was like, who touched me? And then what happened? Well, then what I think what happened is Jesus goes, He's looking around. <laughs> and I'm sorry, she's like, don't, don't make eye contact. No, don't look, don't look. Don't make. And he's like. I'm sure there's a back and forth, right? He's, she's like. And he's like. And he's like. This back and forth. And finally she's like. 
And he's like, like, I got time. And finally, finally, when she's like, he's not going to let this go, comes and goes, okay, okay, I wasn't supposed to be here. <laughs> Sorry. And then this is what happened. Now, the question is, what's the moral of the story? Well, if you've heard this story before, if you've been around these uh, conversations, spiritual conversations, you've heard the story, and the moral of the story is basically that you can go all over, and for 12 years you can be searching for all kinds of healing from your brokenness, all kinds of pain from your life, and then all you have to do, though, is not go to other places, but go to Jesus and come to him in faith. You come to him and receive him in faith in one touch, one touch of the Messiah, one touch of the healer will heal you. And all you have to do is extend out and touch Jesus, come to Jesus with faith. And that, my friends, is a beautiful story. It's beautiful. But here's... Now here's the thing, though. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is that the only story? See, I, I want to tell you that there's so much more to this story. That it's beautiful, and that truth is real. But there's more to it. So Jewish rabbis would do this back in the day. They would take the Torah, which was the five books, and they would study them in different ways. And they had this concept called turning the gem. They believed the Torah was like a gem. And when you take a gem, like a diamond or a gem, and you put it towards the light uh, and shine it, and when you start turning it, you'll see a part of the gem you've never seen before. So they believed the scripture was live and active and you could look at God's word and as you turn the light on it, when you shine and you look at it in a different way, you'll see a truth in there you've never seen before. And so what if we were to take this concept and apply it to the scripture right here, apply it to the story right here? Is there more to what's going on in the story? I believe there is. And if we were to turn the gem, the question I want to ask is, why did you stop, Jesus? Like, why did he stop? I mean, it could have been so much easier to just keep going, hey, we got a little girl waiting, and he's walking, 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 a lot of people, and she comes in, gets the healing, and she, he goes, I know what you did, I got you, okay, and keeps on going. But no, he stops, makes a scene. Why does he make a scene? He makes a scene because he wants to make a point. See, for so long, we've been told that this story, in this story, you and I are the women. You and I are the woman. We're the ones with the issue. And so we understand that. But what if you're, you and I are not called to play that part in the story? What if you and I are not the woman in the story? What if you and I are called to be Jesus in the story? What if he's actually saying, I'm stopping because I want you to stop one day. I want you to understand that I'm leaving here and I'm going to give you power from on high and there's going to be power that's going to come out from you. And guess what? And this, this, this kind of people group that's going to have this power is going to be called the church. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what that means is you're knocking on hell's door. You're not trying to avoid not to get there. You're not staying away from it. You're going, going, who's in there? Let's get him out. Like that's the kind of power that I want to give to you. What if you and I were never supposed to be people with all the issues. What would happen, friends, if the church of Jesus stopped being the one with the issues and we actually became Jesus? The world does not need people with issues. And we all got them. I got issues. We got issues. There's a song about it. Okay, we got all issues. But what if we're supposed to be Jesus? Man, well, how would the world change 
if we stopped being the one with the issues and we became Jesus. We owned that. We own the power that can come out from us. The power that God said, hey, Jesus said, hey, this is, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And if you are not a follower of Jesus or you're still trying to figure this out, that's part of the story. Not just you coming to faith in Jesus and praying a prayer. No, it's so much deeper than that. You get power from on high. You get this power living inside of you. It's a well of fresh water inside of you. And you have supernatural abilities that you cannot understand. And God will create these divine, kairos is the word, moments for you to step into. But you have to have power in you because it's going to come out of you. And for those of you, you're like, oh, this sounds cool, but I, this ain't true. This is not true. Well, this is what's interesting about it. What's interesting is, is the scientists have actually proven that there is power that comes out from us. So your, or your body communicates internally through electromagnetic pulses. So your brain talks to your organs by sending out electromagnetic pulses. That's what it says. It doesn't speak a language. That's the language. It sends out this energy, and it, this energy is translated by your organs, which is profound, and it, your organs do what your brain tells them to do, mostly. Right? Mostly. Sometimes our organs misbehave. Okay? But there is one other organ that communicates more, in fact, five times more than the brain. Did you know that? One other organ that communicates five times more than the brain. You know what it is? You want to take a guess for extra credit? Your heart. Your heart sends out more electromagnetic pulses than your brain. Question, who is it talking to? What is it doing? Why is it doing this? And so scientists have figured out and created machines that can measure your power, energy, whatever you want to call it, that comes out from you three to five feet away from you. That's why you say things like, I can feel her heart. That's why you walk into a place and you're like, I can feel his energy. That's why you walk into a place or a meeting and you go, I don't like him, I don't like him. Don't even, I haven't even met him, I don't like him. Don't like him. Or other people, you walk in, you don't even know him, you're like, I like that guy. I like him. I like him. So when I walked up on stage, you're like, you haven't said anything, but I, see. Because, because if you, you can feel the energy, you can feel, literally feel people's heart. You can be sitting there going, you have no heart. You've given up heart. Why? See, you, you have language and you don't have the understanding of why, uh, why, that, why you say the things you say. It's because you were created a certain way to have power come out from you. See, that's why, that's why in Proverbs, and you've read this before maybe, maybe you've read this, Proverbs 4 says this, above all else, do what? Guard your heart. From, for everything you do flows from it. Basically, translation, there is power going out from you. You can't even control it. It's coming from your heart. But the question is, what's in your heart? See, that's why. You can't, you can't, you can't like cover up. You can't cover up prejudice and hate. You can't cover up 
disgust. You can't cover up uh, being just self-righteous. You can't cover that up. People who cover it up, they don't even know they're doing it. You're like, you guys, you're, you're terrible. You, they don't even know the stuff that's coming out of them, but you walk by them and you go, there is so much hatred coming out. There's so much cynicism coming out. Oh my gosh. This, and you said things like, this negative energy is killing me. Because you're feeling it. And here the scriptures are telling us that you and I have been given this privilege to play this amazing part, this amazing part, to have power of God come out from us, to have power of uh, God in, 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 in form of love and acceptance, in form of, in, in form of hope and mercy come out from us. And what an amazing part to play in this world. Not the part of the woman that always is the one with the issues. No, the, a different part that we are called to be Jesus in the midst of our homes, our campuses, our business meetings, our, with our clients. We're supposed to be in that person. We're supposed to be him in that. Man, how would your life change if you begin to own that? See, for so many of us, we've been told this lie. And this lie is that you and I are supposed to live this epic life. That we're supposed to do this awesome things. And we sing about it. We talk about it. I mean, a lot of people say, you're going to be awesome. You can be awesome. You can do great things, right? Have you heard that before? You're like, you're going to be awesome. You're going to be awesome. You're going to live an awesome life. You're going to be awesome. You're going to be awesome. And I'm like, who's doing the dishes if everybody's awesome? Like, who's, who's, who's doing the other stuff? The not so hot stuff. Like, what, what's that? Like, if everybody's going to be awesome, then who's like the not so awesome? Like, who's doing that? See, that's not true. That's not true. See, you and I were never called to live and write the biggest story of our lives. You can't. And that's why some of you guys are so frustrated. That's why some of you guys are so depressed. You're like, it's never going to happen. If it was going to happen, well, it didn't happen because I'm no longer 30 anymore. Okay, that's not happening. And then it's no longer 40, no longer 50. Oh, my God. It's never going to happen. And we've been told this lie, and we are low-key depressed about this. Why? Why, why, why? Because we've been told that you and I are supposed to write the biggest story of our lives. Not true. You're supposed to find your life in the biggest story. You're supposed to find your, yeah. You're supposed to find your part in the biggest story that God is writing. He's writing a story of how he's, how he's going to redeem the world and all of creation. And you and I get to play a significant, important, unique part that no one else can play. But you get to be a part of that. And you get to be a part of that. And you get to be a part of that. And you get to be a part of that. And we all get to be a part of this unique, great life, owning the fact that, man, we are no longer the one with the issues. We are Jesus in this world, and we're supposed to have power of love and acceptance and joy and, and courage and encouragement go out from us. And that's how we're going to change the world. But the question is, okay, if you own that, if you're like, okay, sign me up, then, then okay, then what's coming out of you, right? What's coming, coming out of us? And, and honestly, sometimes things happen and some stuff gets into our hearts and into our self and it's just, it gets weird, right? Have you ever, have you ever gotten weird? Okay, let me paraphrase. Let me, let me, let me explain. You're like, what are you saying? Okay, okay. Let me, so let's talk about COVID. Okay, how many of you would admit you got weird during COVID? Okay, I did. I did. I got weird. I got weird in a lot of ways. But in one particular way is I started eating chips, like tortilla chips. Every night, a bag. 
Okay, now, don't judge me, but, but, but they were like Target brand yellow tortilla chips. I don't want anything else. And my wife was like, hey, what's happening? I'm like, I'm doing, my, I'm doing me. That's what I'm doing. She's like, I don't know if it's good. I mean, it's changing you. I'm like, physically? Well, you know what? Whatever. And then um, I'm good. I'm good. And then I started like watching not new shows during COVID. I watched reruns. Like I watch old shows. Did anybody find themselves going, why am I watching this again? I watched The Office again and again and again and again and again. Until my son was like, he was like, hey, you know, uh, this is a sign of anxiety. I was like, you know what? I never wanted to have you. Anyway, so what, whatever, like, like, well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But parents, you know we don't say it. We think it. Anyway, so, anyways, so we, uh, and I was like, I think that you're right. You're right. I got, I got strange. I got, my habits changed. From, for a period, I was like, I don't want to sing any worship songs. I just don't want to do it. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. See, the problem is, is that, it's not just COVID and disappointment or, or just um, disillusionment. I mean, sometimes grief and pain can do that. Like, you can, you can, like, life can hit you so hard that gets you spinning. Like, you lose a relationship that you thought you'd never lose. Never lose. And you're like, what is going on? Like, you, you have such a loss of identity. You have such a loss of purpose. And you're just spinning around. And during that time, you just let some stuff in. And if you let it in a lot, it just changes you. And then you make decisions that are just not really wise. And you'd make calls that you would never have made if this wouldn't have happened. And then you end up becoming a person you were never wanted to be. And stuff got in, in your heart. The good thing, though, is, is that the Bible is full of people who, um, who are just like you and me. Who understood that power goes out from them, that God wants to use them, but, but sometimes their heart is not in the best place. David, King David was one of those guys. He did some amazing things. He stepped into some amazing moments with God. But then he also just did really dumb things. And you're like, what happened? What happened? And, but he had this habit, though. He had this habit that um, allowed him the title of being a man after God's own heart. And this habit was this idea of self-examination. And in fact, he writes this in one of the Psalms, Psalm 139. He says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Like it's a very real prayer. It's like, God, all right, I'm letting you in. What's going on with me? Why, what's... Can you, can you talk to me about my anxiety? Can you talk to me about my depression? Can you talk to me about my disappointment? What's going on? What's going on here? So if we were to break this down, I think the first thing we should do is, is just say this prayer that says, search me. And it's a very courageous prayer because it's saying, uh, you know, let me in. Like, God, you can come on in. You can come on in into my house. You can come on into my room. And that's tough, right? Come, come, come on in. Because, you know, with God, it's, it's tricky, tricky. Even though he sees everything, you really want to clean up before he comes. Right? You want to do that. I mean, you do that when family comes over, like, clean up. Clean up. But he's like, uh, just come on in. It's a mess in here. I don't even know what's going on. Just come on in. 
And for some of you, you've never said that prayer. Like you've never said, Jesus, come on in. Search me. I'm letting you in. Dark places. I keep it dim here. Because everything looks cooler when it's dim. You turn the lights on. Oof. That's why bars are always, you know that, right? And clubs. You turn the lights on, you're like, well, what happened here? We all look like this? Okay, we're leaving. You know, like that's, that's real life. Okay. So anyways, just, to, just to, if you're taking notes, write that down. Yeah. Um, so search me. Then he says, man, know me. Like, know me. Which means, you know, you show me. What's interesting about show me is, is that our prayers are always connected to God. Show me what you are doing and how you are working. Show me your ways. Show me, you know, what's, what I need to do. But David right here is saying, show me, show me me. Show me me. Like, all right, I can take it. I can take it. Show me. Like, show me. Like, let's get the mirror. Let's get the 3X mirror out. Let's show me. What's going on? Like, show me the stuff that I'm doing that's hurting other people. Yeah, show me the things that I'm saying. Show me the things I'm thinking that I, I should not think on. Show me what I'm meditating on that I really should not be meditating on. Show me the kind of lies I'm believing that I really should not be believing. Show me. Show me. And then he says, lead me. Basically, use me. Use me. Give me out of this. Give me a life that's everlasting. Move me to a, a part that I'm supposed to play. God, just use me. And friends, I got to tell you, like, when you say a prayer like that, and when you continually make a habit of that, of cleaning out your heart in a sense, God will allow you to step into moments that will blow your mind. And I wish I could tell you stories and stories of how God has allowed me to not just experience with me coming out of a Muslim background, uh, but also seeing life change and life transformation happen in my family, my two sisters, my two brothers, um, so many other people, just coming to faith and then me stepping into moments. And I'm like, I can't even believe I'm in this moment. You know, I remember the first time I was on stage as a kid. It was a talent show. I got up on stage. I froze. Froze. Partly because I was like, what language are we speaking? Like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> But I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. And I walked off. I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. It was pretty disappointing. I walked off the stage, and my first thought was, I still remember it, it was, I'm never going to be on stage. Like, this is not, I'm never going to do this. And this is now what I do. It's what I do. I have dys dyslexia and dysgraphia, um, which a combination with that and all the other languages, wow, that's a party. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so I'm like, I'm, I switch numbers around, I switch words around, I might have even added words to scriptures, I don't know, I'm just making it up, and it's just, it's, it's rough for me, and then I speak for a living, and I have to read in public, but man, when you surrender your life, when you allow yourself to go away from the position of being the woman with the issues, and you know, stepping into God, saying, I'm not worthy of this, but I'm going to be Christ. The power can go out from me. It's not my power, it's his. Man, it'll change your life and God will use you. In fact, that's his plan. I don't know if you know this, but he was like, hey, uh, so uh, I'm out um, and tag, you're it. So see you on the other side. But if the world's, yeah, right? 
Like, if the, if the world's gonna change, your, it's up to you. Love you, you know, bye. That, that's it, that's the plan. And it's not because he doesn't have a better plan, it's because it's the most powerful one. It's his presence working through us and in us, always being with us, changing everything around us, redeeming all the things in this world that need to be redeemed. So what if you and I were to step into that this morning? So I wanna pray. I wanna pray that God would allow you to do that and that you would have the courage to actually say the prayer. I think some of us, you need to do that. You need to pray, God, search me. Know my heart. See, see the anxiousness inside of me. And then lead me. For others of you, I think you need to pray, say a prayer that you've never said before, and that is, Jesus, come on in. I give you my life. And that's what it is, friends. It's, it's just coming from a different religious background, growing up in a different faith. Once you meet this person, Jesus, it's more than a belief system that you switch to. You, you, don't, you don't lose, people say, you know, have you, you lose faith sometimes in Jesus. And I'm like, with me, it's never been about losing faith. See, I met someone and I can't ever unmeet them. And so when you meet Jesus, you're never gonna unmeet them. And he's always committed to it. But it's, it starts with you just saying, hey, I want in. I want to know you. I want to know you. So let's pray together. Father, I pray. Um, as we're in this moment, God, for some of us, it is, it is true what you are saying. We spent so long being the one with the issues. In fact, it's become our identity. But no longer. This is it. We are done. We are done. We are so done being the one with the issues. God, you healed us. We're going to own that. And now we're Jesus. Help us be Jesus in the story. Help us realize that we're not supposed to live this epic life. We're supposed to find our life in this epic story. But God, for some of us, we've never said, Jesus, I want to invite you in. I want to know you. So God, I just pray that they would just start with this. They would start with saying, right now, Jesus, I, uh, I give you my life. Not the clean version of it, not, not, not all the best parts. I just give everything right now. I just go, this is it. This is me. I give you my life. And I pray that they would say, God, would you forgive me? And then would you fill me with your power and your presence? God, I pray. I pray that they would pray that. God, we love you. We know you're moved here. You're going to continue to move. And so, God, we, we ask you to have your way with us. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you've prayed a prayer, maybe um, it's a first prayer to kind of get introduced to Jesus, we'd love to help you here. If you would text Northridge 
to 31616. Um, 31616. I will love to give you some information about that. And also, if this, for some of you, you're like, man, I just, I do have some issues and I do need to pray with someone um, because I want to want this day to be the day. Um, then we have people here who can pray with you as well. Hey, this has been a joy uh, to be with you guys and um, have a great, have a great Sunday. All right.